0: I have come here to Krakowzie and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass.
1: Are you watching closely?
0: What up, guys? It's your boy, Luke, cutting off Nash there before we get into the review of Sneakers. Uh, This review was actually recorded quite a few months ago before Nash and I took a a few-month hiatus from the show. We kind of just lost our fire in doing midnight showing, and we had to take a break, but let me tell you, we are back, baby. So uh, we have this episode, Sneakers, for you that was recorded a few months ago. Uh, We never really put it out because we kind of needed to take a break from the show. But uh, next week or the week after or whenever I decide put it out, we'll be reviewing a new movie, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, by Terry Gilliam as our 60th episode, and after that, we're back, baby, full action. A few changes coming to the show, but we'll discuss all that in our Don Quixote uh, episode. So please, without further ado, enjoy this review of Sneakers as it was recorded before the hiatus. You could think of it as maybe a little bonus episode. Not really a bonus episode because it was going to be a regular episode when it was coming out, but you get the. Just let Nash talk. It's fine.
1: Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash. That's Luke. And this week, the movie we watched at midnight was Phil Robinson's Sneakers. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you. And don't worry, we will notify you before we start
0: spoiling. Luke, where are you for this one? Beginning in the year 1969. Great year. We quickly meet (laughs) Martin (laughs) Bruce. And Cosmo, who consider themselves sneakers, which essentially means they hack into computer networks in order to redistribute conservative funds into various liberal causes. Guy Fox, eat your heart out. One night, Cosmo is arrested for these uh, sketchy acts, we'll call them, and uh, Bishop, he got away. So years later, uh, in the time of the movie's release, we are reintroduced to Bishop, who now goes by the name Martin Bishop instead of Martin Bruce. They're very, very, very clever on the alias for that one. He probably didn't want to get his initials mixed up, so he just <laughs> uh, sure no one will ever find him for that. Um, and he runs a uh, a security specialist team that undertakes penetration testing. As in checking to see how easy something is to break into. Um, One day, Martin is approached by uh, the NSA and they ask him to recover a black box from a mathematician and we're led to believe that it could be a weapon created for the Russian government or something. Uh, Martin is thrust back into this game as he has to use his specialist team on penetration testing to achieve national security.
1: Man, it sounds like you had so much fun um with that one <laughs> yeah, that was a little a little all over the place so. I, I have the, the humor of a six year old all right, well, um as far as the trailer for this movie goes, I think it's pretty well uh it's done pretty well the uh, music I think is appropriate um, they tell you enough. Uh, but i think that they should have probably stopped it like halfway through it's like a it was like a two minute 30 second trailer that's a long time i think if they stopped it in a minute it's perfect because honestly they sort of ruined some of the really good scenes like especially a few of the comedic scenes are like are really best if you don't see them coming um
0: Yeah, this movie does not need two and a half minutes to explain it and make you want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: You got the general gist in the first minute. And it seemed interesting, so just leave it at that. But, you know, all in all, I think it was a pretty good trailer. But who wrote the damn thing?
0: uh, This movie was written by the director, uh, Phil Alden Robinson, as well as Lawrence Lasker and Walter Parks, uh, who are producers, mostly... And, um, yeah, they, three of, three of them wrote it. So, you know, three people, one script. Is it better because of that? I
1: don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll tell you in a minute. But, um, the director, Phil Robinson, he really is a huge movie director. Um, some of his most popular works he's done are Some of All Fears, Field of Dreams, and he did the first episode of Band of Brothers, and the only reason the Band of Brothers isn't the best war movie ever made is because it's a miniseries. In my, in my, <laughs> yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, dude. Most <laughs> most movies probably could be miniseries. And yo, know, I got I got a little correction for our in- inherent vice episode last last week, quickly while we're on the director part. We were Go like, yo, it we paul thomas anderson that name sounds super familiar how have we not done a movie by that person before what i realized was that event horizon was directed by paul ws anderson not paul thomas anderson so all i'm gonna say is that one of you needs to pick a stage name because way too (laughs) close
1: we've got too many paul thomases in this soup so get them out
0: All right, so who is starring in this sneakers movie? Well, none other than Jeremiah Johnson himself, Robert Redford, playing Bishop. Uh, We also got Sydney Poitier playing Crease, David Hearn playing Whistler, Dan Aykroyd playing Mother, and got River Phoenix playing Carl. Carl! (laughs) Carl! (laughs) Got (laughs) Donald Logue playing Dr. Gunter Janek. Gunter, fire name, Donald Logue. Um, what show is he from? Uh, Grounded for Life. Grounded for Life. When I was 10 years old, if you asked me what my favorite TV show was, I'd say Grounded for Life. I don't know if I still stand by that opinion. Uh, then we got <laughs> Mary McDonnell playing Liz, and we got Ben <laughs> Kingsley in there playing Cosmo. And then also, James Earl Jones sneaks in there by the end uh, playing Bernard Abbott.
1: Yeah and um for those of you who are curious sort of if you haven't heard of this movie cuz i don't think we had heard of this movie before um apparently apparently uh, robert redford was the first person they got to sign on to do the movie and then literally everybody else joined in um even the director wasn't a part of it until after redford had joined and so then it became a star-studded cast. But I feel like for such a huge cast, it is weird that we've never heard of it.
0: Yeah, it well, it's a pretty big cast, but I, I don't know, dude. I'd almost say that it's like not, um, what's the term? I was it, not B-list, but like actors that I feel like are often um with other actors that kind of like make you do you, you know what I know what I'm trying to say like Robert Redford uh is like definitely an older guy but like Dan, Dan Aykroyd's in there and like Ben Kingsley it's like it's an odd mesh of actors that are all like really big names and all do a really great job together
1: it's like they're very often they're not the sole a-list actor
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in a yeah, movie
1: yeah. like they're are they're often accompanied by other a-list actors for sure yeah for sure that's got, yeah we got any yeah. themes? Got any themes, boy? Um, we got one. I guess it's trust. Um, they don't know what governments trust. They don't know who to trust, but they kind of always trust each other for the most part.
0: Well, isn't that just dandy?
1: Yeah. Um, but before we spoil sort of any more of it, um, Luke, are you gonna get, Are you gonna give it a thumbs up or down? It's gonna be a thumbs up, dude. I don't think there's a lot of reason to not like this movie. To be honest with you. I agree with that. I think it deserves a thumbs up, but not two of them.
0: Anyway, now that's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're not dealing with. <laughs> Maybe not an Academy Award winner, but it's, a, it's yeah. a fun ride. It's a fun ride for sure. It's a good movie,
1: and let's start where we honestly always should, but very rarely do the title. Probably a pretty quick one because they kind of define it in the movie, which is nice. But I gotta say, I think this title is probably the worst thing about the movie.
0: Yeah, man. You know, I think I'll kind of agree with that a little bit in the sense that, like, when you're looking up, like, this movie was on HBO Max. So let's say that you're just like scrolling through HBO Max and you're like looking for a movie. I don't think the name Sneakers would really entice you too much to watch the movie. And Sneakers, like, it's a weird way to say computer hacker. And also it's one of those things where if you just Google sneakers, the movie's yeah. not going to be the first thing to come up. <laughs> yeah. No, if you want to find
1: this, you have to search sneakers, movie or sneakers yeah. and the date that it was released. Yeah. The and, SEO uh,
0: campaign for this episode is going to be great. Everyone's. Yeah. Gonna find it's, this wow. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get yelled at, but yeah,
1: like uh, that term is so bizarre and used for pretty much literally everything else. I think this is the only time. In, like, any form of media, that's the word sneakers is used to refer to like a hacker, yeah. And it really doesn't help, sort of, definitely hasn't helped this movie's longevity. Um, just because I mean, clearly, me and Luke like movies, we've heard of a lot of movies, we've seen a lot of movies, um, and to have never even heard of this movie, not even referenced like a lot of movies that we watch we've heard because they've been referenced in other stuff um or just one of our friends or relatives has told us about it so you know somebody else is bringing us that info but we've heard of it whereas this one was just totally random shot in the dark i don't know how you came across it luke because i think you found it for us
0: uh i was literally on hbo max like the story i just told because that—that's what I've been, I've been doing. That's what I've been doing recently. I've been like I've been looking for movies on like our, our the streaming services we both have because it's just easier to to watch. And I was like Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, nineteen ninety two sounds like a perfect midnight showing movie.
1: Yeah, it it and it really is. Um, and even I I think it was either like the composer or the casting director or somebody who was a big part of the movie. They almost um totally ignored it just because of the title. They had read the title of the script and they just threw it away until their agent told them, Hey, actually read this movie. Yeah. So they're like, wow, Sneakers. this movie's gonna make a hundred million dollars. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> what <laughs> there's a lot of sneaking around, dude. We're gonna be sneaky, sneaking. But, I mean, yeah, are they, are they even like that sneaky? Honestly, <laughs> like, no, uh, no, they're not. They're really not. Like, like, <laughs> like the this the scene with the woman who is um hooking up with the mathematician. Hilarious scene, loved it. But like, yeah. when they're on the phone and they're like stumbling through it, it looks like they're yeah. not even that good at their job. <laughs>
1: you know, that is actually a really good segue into something that I think makes this movie better than your average like crook film or um spy film whatever you want to call it I think it makes it a step above average movies because one thing and I think it's probably the rarest thing to see in a movie is 100% authentic types of speech like patterns of speech because you know if you look at a movie like Rambo right great film none well, of that technique yeah, well okay film. nash I, I just, I just first to, I, blood first I, blood
0: sorry yeah oh, there I we go yeah I, I was gonna be a super douche on you and be like oh you mean the fourth one that came out when we were in eighth grade <laughs> I, 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 I meant, uh, yeah the fourth one because it what it goes first blood it goes
1: rambo first blood part, part two, two yeah and, and then it's like rambo part three they took first blood out rambo of the one, yeah rambo sure. part three and then just rambo, rambo and then yeah. like
0: a <laughs> <laughs> conversation but, for a different day.
1: But yeah, that that first blood is an excellent movie, but all the dialogue is so quotable and, you know, it's incredible. But it doesn't really sound like how people actually talk, if you think about it. Like, nobody ever really stumbles over their speech like Luke and I do when we record this. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not that scripted. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, I love that scene because it seems very organic like the fumbles the trips the gaps between the words they say
0: yeah it all Dude, it, seems
1: incredibly natural
0: it, it must have been a a pain in the ass to record that too honestly cuz i i mean like they were probably like reading lines into robert redford's ear while he was actually doing it but that was that was probably a challenge to have it come out so comedically well and have it feel so natural when it's really just like two people in like different scenes you know so
1: yeah i,
0: I again like the, i think that's what the real great stuff about this movie is is not only is everything really natural like you said but it's also generally funny and a question i wanted to ask you is like are they even really criminals you know because i feel like when the movie starts out or when if you read the description you're like oh computer hackers he was just hacking the mainframes trying to take people down and the cia is going to come get him back to join the game but that's not really like who martin bishop is as a person you know it feels like a lot more um kind of like friendly and like family like and it it wasn't like this ragtag group of badasses instead you got dan Aykroyd in like a uh, indie rock band t-shirts and chokers that like my girlfriend would wear you know yeah
1: (laughs) yeah no exactly he's got a hairstyle that is pretty funny it actually took me a minute to notice it because i think the first scene he's got a hat on yeah but yeah they seem a lot more innocent than everybody else that we come across whereas everyone's kind of quick to sort of cast like the sins of everybody else onto people like almost every time we meet a character in this movie they cast they put the faults of that person they're talking to right on the table and make them seem like a terrible person but comparatively they're really not that you know bad people it sounds like they've all messed up but they seem like good down to earth people that you know are just are not trying to get arrested
0: And they're really not actually stealing money from banks or anything, right? And that I might have, I might have missed that, but I'm pretty sure that like legitimately, they just test a place to see if it's able to be broken into, right? Because like I'm trying, I'm trying to not misremember, but like if I remember the beginning, they break into the bank, and then the next scene is Robert Redford saying that he's going to take his money out of that bank just because he knows it's not safe. Like there wasn't any like we're rich from this now or anything like that, right? Yeah, and.
1: No, you're right, because then he walks up and he hands that money back to, like, the bank managers, who I assume those people were. Yeah. And then they write him a check, and the lady comments how he doesn't make a lot of money, which is really rude. All yeah, right? super <laughs> mean thing to say, right? The <laughs> a bank teller, It's like, yeah uh, it's a living. Not a very good one. Like, uh, okay, Mrs. Teller. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not a very good
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> what a dig. And... Uh, <laughs>
0: It's like a hack your entire life right now. I know it's, it's
1: that, that almost I feel like so many scenes in that movie like end with that sort of comedic twist that you don't really seem coming. Like the one, uh, what was it with Aykroyd's line
0: with his friend in Desert Storm? Oh, <laughs> he's like, Yeah, I learned it off my buddy in Desert Storm. He was on the other side, though. <laughs> I was like, wait, what What kind of joke
1: was? Yeah, that?" Yeah, like wrote? that uh, <laughs> utterly hilarious. Yeah. And I did not see that coming at all. And it made us laugh like children.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and stuff like
1: that, that. Like the dialogue of this movie, I think, is probably it's its greatest asset. It really separates it from sort of your other kind of caper crook movies that you come across a lot that like you'd see a ton on TNT or something. Like, those, that movie really does an excellent job with it. Probably better than... I don't know. does it very well, though. I almost said it did it better than Ocean's Eleven. But but
0: they're completely different. I I, 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 I agree. Seeing you stumble right there, do you think there's really a movie you can compare it to? Because, like, I can't think of a movie off the top of my head that's really like this, because you think that it's, like, computer hackers, but, like... They're, they're not bad guys, you know? I, I I feel like that's the real difference, is that Robert Redford feels like he's playing a very genuine character who, like, back in the day was doing stuff because he really thought that his intentions were in the right place, and then his friend got arrested and everything kind of went to crap, and now he has this, like, ragtag group of people who have had shady pasts, but now they're kind of just using their skills in trying to be, like, a, a positive manner, you know? I feel like that's kind of what really made the movie unique, and also, I think this movie is great coming out in the time that it did because I feel like if you wrote a movie like this today, all of the hacking stuff would be a little bit over the top, right? So in this one, we got the blind guy who can literally he could have his own team you don't need anybody else on the team besides <laughs> the blind guy and like I I just I, I love the 90s aesthetic of like they're looking at it at an old VHS tape and they have to turn the exposure all the way up and then you can kind of see it and they're like like, you, you know what I mean where it, there's not a giant yeah. mainframe where someone is just at a computer type in a way like they have to realistically look at information go into the phone book try to find things like the, the bridge scene you know like that was super realistic but if it came out today I feel like it just would have been a computer program type thing
1: no exactly and i think that blind guy i'm totally blanking on his name and i think i think
0: it was crease but i mean like it was crease or whistler no 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 i i think i think it was whistler i think it was whistler okay um yeah well
1: either way the guy that couldn't see um it's it didn't feel too hammy or gimmicky to me I yeah. think and for the reasons you're saying where a lot of back then those sort of technical skills were a lot more sort of physical just because of the equipment you're using, whereas nowadays it's almost, you know, all digital. You're just you're just gonna increase the exposure on like the editing software that you have if you want to do that. You don't have to like actually physically adjust something. <coughs> and I like that, especially after Robert Redford got kidnapped in the trunk of the car. I really like that scene where he's like, What'd you hear? I was like, well, what do you mean what I hear? It's like, well, dude, you couldn't see where you were going. You couldn't smell where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe mm-hmm. you could have heard what you were going. <laughs> and I it didn't, it didn't seem too hammy to me, and I really... I'm trying to think of other hammy, like, blind guy scenes. In other movies, but I, I really can't. Can you?
0: No, I can't either other than like mr magoo
1: i can think of in chuck in in uh walker texas ranger (laughs) okay okay there's this there's this part where he gets he goes blind for some reason and he goes back to his like native american master trainer wise elder whatever to train in the woods And he just has him run through the woods blind, like, sprint through the woods without being able to see. And it's the hammiest thing ever, just because he's like, by the end of it, he can run through the woods and not trip over anything. And it's like, that's not.
0: You know, it's a super non-hammy, extremely serious movie that's, like, two and a half hours as A Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino. He's blind in that movie. But again, it's, like, completely different genre.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. Like, I feel like... Because I think I read a review where people thought that this movie was kind of gimmicky.
0: And I, I don't wouldn't, know, like- I would, I wouldn't disagree with that off the bat, you know? I mean, it's, like i I guess it's gimmicky, but like it's i feel like it's done in like a like a genuine way you know like if if it's gimmicky it's the best kind of gimmicky you can be you know yeah it's it seems
1: very authentic in how it is gimmicky, which i guess they it's kind of you know hypocritical to say that it doesn't really make sense yeah but i i feel like it it does, i definitely see why somebody would say that. But it feels too, like, too authentic. It feels too natural. Well,
0: I mean, speaking of, like, the the naturalness of it, what do you think of, like, the overall story? We haven't really touched upon that yet, of, like... We have, you know, these uh, this great cast that's like a bit of a mesh of people you might not be expecting to see playing really natural and like all these comedic moments. But how do you feel about the actual story that unfolds with the black box and like Cosmo kind of coming out of nowhere with like his deus ex machina massive toy factory? He's been doing nothing but making moves the past 20 years. How do you feel about like the actual story of it, because I feel like it could be interpreted as a bit of that, like, 90s ham. No,
1: it, 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 you're 100% right. It, that, that definitely is, like, the hammiest part of the whole film, is that whole, oh, the real villain is your long-lost friend in the first cutscene that you saw that you probably forgot about.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also, I didn't, I, I thought that if they were going to do that, I kind of wanted a little mm. bit more of a relationship between Robert Redford and Cosmo, or Bishop and Cosmo, or uh, Ben Kingsley and Robert Redford, however you want to say it. But like, <laughs> I, I, I've, I, I feel like Cosmo showed up, and then Robert Redford was like, "Whoa, you're alive, dude!" But then they don't really see each other again until like the very end of the movie when they have the standoff. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like if they were gonna have Cosmo be the person behind all of this, there could have been a bit more of like a struggle between the actual team and him instead. It just kind of turned into like breaking into them to get the black box. Maybe the black box being the thing that we need is, is the issue I'm trying to talk about. I'm not, I'm not really sure. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like I feel like there needs to be a greater reason for both of them to be interacting together.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's just like this magical black box that can like crash the national security grid, you know?
1: Yeah, like, why wouldn't Kingsley just sort of get somebody else to do it? You know, that doesn't really... <laughs>
0: yeah, that was a weird choice to pick the... I mean, like, I guess he was like, I know that he's the one man who can do it. And then when they, like, meet up and he's like, hey, uh, you're kind of crazy, dude. Why You, what, you just want to take down, like, all money? <laughs> like, everyone's the same. No rich people, no poor people, you know? like th- yeah. that's That stuff is definitely super hammy, but I feel like the movie itself is a fun enough time with all the characters and the way that they're interacting with each other. You don't really focus on it too much or care about it, honestly, at least when I watched it.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like, it begs you to ask the question, like, why does he think he's the only guy that can do it? Like the guys posing as NSA agents kind of to- tore their whole agency apart, <laughs> you know, yeah. when they yeah, first yeah, yeah. walked in, it's like, I feel like you could just hire somebody better because all he knows for him is that one time you tried to hack into that other thing and you got caught. Because <laughs> <Yeah>, he <laughs> went to go get pizza, yeah. He was just yeah.
0: Th- thinking with his stomach and he got his friend in prison for like 20 years or whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is a lot of nitpicking for
1: this movie because a lot of critics, I think, when I was looking up this movie, I found more negative critiques than I saw positive.
0: I don't, th- I don't think it deserves that, honestly.
1: I agree. I don't think it deserves it either, especially with its returns. Like it would cost like 20 something million to make. It had a box office return of a hundred, 105 million or something. Yeah. So it's like, it clearly outperformed, you know, its own budget by a lot, four times roughly. So that like, that's, that's pretty impressive. And, and I think, um, I think it was, maybe it was rotten, rotten tomatoes, it had like a a viewer score of like a minus but it had a really low critic score of, like, 60 or something. Oh,
0: yeah, okay. Well, you know, I mean, I guess we we, we can kind of have a conversation about that in terms of, like, we've come across movies in the past 50-whatever episodes where we're like, yeah, this was a fun watch, but, like, do we feel like we can really pull too much from it? Which, you know, as a moviegoer, that's not really always the point. I feel like if you're going to sit down and be like, the themes of trust in this movie are, like, so all over the place, I can't believe that someone printed this script and thought it was good enough for for me to watch you know like are you really gonna look at that movie in in, this movie in that way because you know you just kind of want to like laugh with dan Aykroyd when he makes a weird joke about desert storm or like watch the blind guy literally be a god with braille feeling vibrations and like all that good stuff you know like do you feel like it's a movie that really needs too much of a critical analysis i'm not i'm not really sure
1: and one of the critiques i read was like Commenting on how Robert Redford was like, seemed too old to be doing all this stuff. And I think that's the dumbest critique ever, because they make a joke about that in the first 15 minutes of the movie. (laughs) Right, dude? (laughs) He's too too old. That's why he isn't the big guy sneaking around all the time.
0: Like, you literally weren't paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, it, it seems just so dumb to me. It makes me upset. (laughs) i don't know dude i feel like i feel like it's it's a fine line to walk when you're talking about being a a a reviewer and movie reviews in general not to get too meta on you right now but that's kind of how how i felt with like this podcast over the last few uh like we've been doing it for over a year i was gonna say past few months it's already been over a year but like finding a movie that you're like wow I really like this but you're having trouble like pulling a crazy idea from it or like you're having trouble like really encapsulating why you think it's good or like why you think it's bad I I you know I feel like it's almost like Okay, did you watch the movie and you enjoyed it? Yeah, well, it's it's a movie. It's a movie from the nineties with Robert Redford called Sneakers, where they're hacking into a mainframe to get yeah. uh, a black box from Donald Logue, a mathematician who just has women coming into his <laughs> his, 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 his uh, office late at night, just go, oh, 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 oh. like you, you can't watch the scene of them like listening in on that and be like, Yeah, this is a serious movie that needs a legitimate critique you know i know and that's what i
1: feel like most often with critics is it's like critics don't review movies for viewers they review movies for other critics you know like i I feel like we try to review it for viewers like i try to think of myself as a viewer um just because that's what everybody is unless you've got the pretentious stick shoved so far up your area that <laughs> you, you can't sort of like yeah well, get past that like i think everybody's got like one or two movies or a movie series where they are very defendant about they're very critical about it and you know they'll die on that hill for that movie but just 99% of them there are a lot of good ones out there that get trashed on and i think this is one of them that it doesn't deserve it at all
0: and, you know, I, I think there's a difference between having a conversation about it and writing a, like, a 500-word op-ed about it, you know? Like, just the, the way that, like, you can have a conversation with somebody about a movie and understand why you liked it is honestly kind of the inspiration we had for this podcast back in the day because... You and I would just talk about why we like things or what actually happened rather than like trying to dissect if something is good or bad. I don't know. I'm probably like contradicting myself so hard right now. You can go back to one of our 50 episodes and find a soundbite of me saying the exact opposite of that. But like that's kind of what I'm, I've been trying to learn is like it's more about just talking about what was literally on the screen. Like our inherent vice conversation the other week, I was like, yeah, dude, that was fun. I don't know what happened, but it was still cool and we yeah. can have a, have a conversation about that and be like, hey, well I didn't understand it. I would have liked it to be a little bit more clear, but I'm not sure if that was really the point. Like, is the point of Sneakers that you really look into the character of Martin Bishop and like try to define the way <laughs> His he, morality like, and all that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. His, his morality and it's like, <laughs> no let's just have a conversation about how goofy those chokers on Dan Aykroyd were you know what I mean? Probably. Yeah, and
1: it's just a wholehearted fun watch it's a good watch. It's a movie. This movie is super movie. It's very. They really movied up this movie. Yeah, it's a very yeah. good movie to movie things.
0: Yeah, man. You know, and like, see, but at the same time, I'm not sure if, you know, it would really excite a lot of people. You know, I feel like sometimes also with this podcast having it be weekly is we just watch movies when we have the chance to always after midnight because we never watch the movie not at midnight
1: you never we would
0: never do that (laughs) um but you know what i mean where we're like okay we need to find a movie to watch this one looks good like if if this was your friday night and you were looking to put on a movie to like order pizza to would you be satisfied with your sneakers watch i feel like that's an interesting question
1: i think you would i think i would i would definitely be satisfied
0: yeah. You think it really just comes down to being like stuck up about it? Being like, well, that didn't challenge me enough while I was eating my Domino's pepperoni deep fried pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, deep fried deep fried deep pizza. dish, deep dish.
1: <laughs> deep, fried deep fried pizza, pizza. from Domino's. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. I swear Domino's <laughs> is gonna hear us and it's gonna be a thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like like sometimes like I really liked um Children of Men and I really like prisoners. So I'm very defensive about those movies. And so I'm more willing to give them an intense, critical view. But it's like, when you talk about *Rain of Fire, when you talk about Sneakers, I don't think those movies are going for anything other than what you see. You know, there's, I don't think there's any real deeper meaning or, like, there's no sort of, oh, uh, we should watch, I should watch this movie again within the next 72 hours to see if I find something new. Yeah, I don't think exactly. it's a di- I don't think it's a deep dive like that. There's no rabbit hole for you to go in for the movie. It's just kind of like this is what you get, and it's all entertaining.
0: Exactly, dude. Exactly. I mean, I was just right there. I was kind of thinking of the the moral ambiguity of Denton Van Zan and if he's really should be snaring those uh, dragons in <laughs> uh, the parachutes. Because I mean, how humane is that as a human to really look at a dragon, a species, a beast, and think that you know you're better than it and you can take it down? That's really what I picked up from Rain of Fire. The (laughs) moral ambiguity of Denton Van (laughs) Zandt. But, like, (laughs) honestly, though, dude, I feel like it's a good conversation to have in this space because. The as we review movies, we're trying to like think of a theme that we can really dissect. Because my some of my favorite YouTube videos are the ones where you watch it, and by the end of it, you're like, Wow, that totally changed my opinion! Like, I don't know if I brought this up on the show before, but um, there's a great YouTube channel called High Top Films, and he has a review, um, and it's called like um, Batman Forever uh like a masterpiece and in in the beginning of he's like no one ever says this movie is smart no one ever says that jill schumacher made a great batman movie instead they just talk about how jim carrey is ridiculous and in these 40 minutes he like completely changed my opinion of batman forever and now i think it's a phenomenal film you know so like there's there's a difference between looking at something and trying to like really pull ideas from it and why you like it so much and just having a conversation about something that was like kind of a fun watch. So you could just put on in the background. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I think that's a good place to sort of wrap things up. If you don't have anything else you want to add to uh, the sneakers, uh beautiful movie experience.
0: I mean, you know, it's not the most complex film we've ever did, but I enjoyed it. And I'd say I enjoyed it more than a good amount of the movies that we've watched on this show before. You know, I think Sneakers is in the top half of our movies, possibly for being something that's so uncritically acclaimed.
1: Yeah, definitely a hidden gem, in my opinion. So, with that, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, you can message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and future content we can bring to you. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com Sometimes
0: you just forget to find a quote from the movie, Nash. <laughs> You did? That movie had so many quotes. I know, and I totally forgot. I totally (laughs) forgot. Oh my gosh. What kind of business? And I just typed sneakers into Google and guess what did come (laughs) up